Hello, and welcome back to Stand By Go, the theater podcast out of Asheville, North Carolina. This is part two of the interview that I had with stage manager, Rebecca Fagan. All right, so um, we're going we're gonna to transition to this part that I've, uh, I've mentioned a couple times and really how we started talking. I mentioned earlier, we, we got in contact during the Broadway Stage Manager Symposium, and we happened to be in the same like virtual breakout room and I was eating dinner. I remember that. And you popped on. You're like, oh, I go. I think we were having the, do you go for a master's or do you not debate in that, in that room? So. And, and you like popped in. You're like, I go to UCSD. And I was like, oh, well, that's on my list. So let's talk. And then we've had a couple of Zoom meetings since. So um, why don't you, and mainly because I don't think I know this, but why don't you tell us kind of your idea uh, your idea of why you thought you needed to go to grad school for stage management or that decision to go in um, and then kind of why you decided UCSD. Yeah. Um, So the first part about like why I decided to go to grad school or at least start looking for grad schools. um, I, I know I've mentioned before I was an undergrad at Sacramento State and they didn't have a stage management program and they didn't even have stage management classes. And it's a very actor-centric program um, to the point of like, it's not just the training that is actor-centric, but also the culture. Um, And I'd really worked hard my entire two and a half years there to be like, no, stage managers are important. We're valid. I mean, not just important, we're just valid as theater workers and I'd worked so hard and like been really like self-taught. And like there were a couple mentors there that um, would, you know, watch over me and help me, sure. But like the, mostly what I learned was from out in the theater community because I was also working as a freelancer while I was an undergrad and like absorbing anything I could from any of the stage managers in the community um, and bringing that back into the program. And so I was just like, you know, well, I know I'm connected here in Sacramento. So once I graduate, I know I could pick up work and eventually work my way up into like, I think like at the time I I hadn't really thought much past Sacramento. Um, And then the, not quarter, the semester before I graduated, I believe it was the semester before I graduated. Yeah. Because I graduated in the fall. And yes, this was in the spring. I went to KCACTF. So the, it's, it's a competition for predominantly like undergraduate um, theater performers, designers, stage managers can also participate. And it's um, our school goes every year. Like we have taken state before, not state. We'd like, we've won our region before. We've gone to like the Kennedy Center, um, uh, in DC before. Cause someone got for like one of our actors got first place in the Irene Ryan's like this whole thing. Like uh, uh, we, like we every year sweep, we do really well in the acting. And until then they had never had a stage manager quote unquote compete. And I remember like my entire experience, I was so excited to go like, and that head of acting at that point was like, she and I did not get along again, like very much contributed to the culture of stage managers aren't like really valid or like aren't as as important and I think it came more from a place if she didn't know what a stage manager did um and so kind of didn't see the importance of the role and of the education of it but um when I went it was like the entire like what I had to do like putting together my prompt book and my portfolio and my resume and like the whole interview process and there's like a, a a test where you 
uh, call a sequence that they give you ahead of time. I was not prepared for any of that. Like I brought in my show. I didn't know about the calling assignment until the day before when I, while I was in Denver, like, and like, I, I remember that experience and I didn't even place. I think I might've gotten like fourth place or something out of like the 16 stage managers that were there. And I remember thinking like, that's really shitty and not shitty because I lost, but shitty because I was just plain not prepared for this competition. And it made me think like, you know, this undergraduate experience has been such an uphill battle. Like I've learned so much, but the entire time has been such an uphill battle to even fight for like my own validity as a student and as a stage manager. And like, I remember like how, like just how much effort it, took to even try to attempt to change the culture around it. And like, I really became close to a lot of faculty members who like, like were like agreed with me and like really worked with me. So I definitely feel like I got my education's worth and that like, I felt like very heard and very much like an independent student and like, like people knew my name walking down the halls kind of thing. But I also didn't get, I feel it was way harder and like way much more of a challenging experience, I think, than it should have been in that there just weren't those resources or that like, uh, like appreciation of stage managers. So I remember like thinking like kind of, cause I, I graduated in December, um, of 2017. Is that correct? Yes. December of 2017. And all of these grad school applications were due around January. So I remember I was back in uh, KCACTF was like March, April, sometime in there. I also, it might've been in February. It was sometime in the spring. And I remember like once I came home, like I received also like during my time with other stage managers, not only like other students from other schools, but also like the mentors that were there. One of which was Liz Brome, who was an alum of this program I remember like I received like such amazing feedback and I felt so like, like I'd found my community like again, cause I mean, the first time I got into theater, I found my community. And now I felt like I'm like, no, like this is what support looks like. This is the kind of support I need. And also like, I still had, and I still have such a love of Sacramento state that like, I feel like there needs to be a stage management program associated with this acting program because I feel it's like really important and Sacramento has such a thriving arts community and they need stage managers. Um, so like my prompt for where I'm like, I need to go to grad school came from KCACTF and my experience there thinking that like I could spend the next 10 years in Sacramento, like getting better and being a better stage manager, or I could continue to go to school and really learn and really polish and learn the things that I should have learned in undergrad, but didn't. Um, as well as there are, I'm sure so many other arts theater programs out there that have the same idea of stage managers that hold that same culture and I want to teach. I mean, I've always wanted to teach, but I want to be a part of a program to help support a, like a culture of inclusion of all roles. And so just from my experience, I'm like, this is like shitty and it should not happen to other people. And so it's like, I put the responsibility on myself to like educate myself and get a degree to where I can like make it better for the next generation of stage managers. Um, so like UCSD, like I knew I wanted to get an MFA to where like I could teach eventually, of course. And so, I mean, even like my professors at, at Sacramento State didn't really know a lot about stage management programs. Um, 
Cameron Jacobs, who um, is an alum of UCSD, also was an alum of Sacramento State. So um, I reached out to her because I knew she went to UCSD. And I mean, she's like, she's worked in New York. She just did the national tour this last year of Jitney. Like she's, I mean, she's worked at the public. And I'm like, I know she had like a similar experience. I mean, she's also like a person of color. So I'm sure it was way more impacted. And in like, not to say my experience was better and hers was worse, but I'm sure it was a lot more challenging in other ways um, at Sac State. And so I got a hold of her, uh, the chair of my department put me in contact with her. Cause she's just like, I really don't know a lot of programs, but I know Cameron Jacobs went to UCSD. Why don't you reach out to her? And so I reached out to her and I'm like, hi, like, uh, you know, my name is Becca and, um, I'm thinking about going to UCSD. Um, before I apply, like, I, I want to know like what you thought of the program. And I was very explicit in saying like, I want to know the pros, but I also want to know the cons. I want to know what's like, not the best about this program. So I don't want you to like sugarcoat it and sell it to me. I just really want to know like the ins and outs of this program. And so she sent me like a really long email that was incredible and just so detailed. And just from reading it, I'm like, you know, I could really tell that like she has a love for this program as well as like what is considered cons. I feel like I could work with. Um, And then I didn't really have any contacts at Yale, but I also like, I'm like, well, they have an MFA and they're pretty prestigious. So I'll apply to them. Yeah. And it's, I also applied to Yale. Yeah. Um, and then I applied to Carnegie Mellon as well. And then I applied to Virginia Tech and never got any response from Virginia Tech. So I don't know what that's about because I paid $120 for that application, which is obnoxious. and wow. never got a response. I'm like, well, apparently I didn't get in there. And I, like not even a response to an interview. But um, so I ended up interviewing uh, first at Yale and then at Carnegie Mellon. And then at UCSD was my last. Um, and... Yale was great. Like when I interviewed there, I'm like, cool. Like this is the kind of work I want to be doing. Like they focus more on like, you know, it's, it's a little bit more, I wouldn't say political theater, but they do focus on the classics, but they do a lot of new works and they have like a playwriting program, which I was really interested in is the ability to work on new work with like my peers being those playwrights writing those works. So that was really interesting to me. Um, and I'm, you know, I didn't feel like it was the best fit. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is like feeling, you know, it's not about like who can offer you the most. It's where you feel like the best. So at Yale, I'm like, you know, this program is really great. And like the financial package was great at the time. Um, and I just didn't feel it, but I'm like, you know what, maybe I'm just going to have to suck it up for a few years and that's okay. And then I interviewed at Carnegie Mellon, which I really fell in love with Pittsburgh. If anyone is from Pittsburgh or has been to Pittsburgh, I love it. I think like the people are so nice. The town is super clean. And like, I really love like the facilities at Carnegie Mellon, like a beautiful, beautiful department. Um, And when I was there, um, they were in tech for Drowsy Chaperone. So I'm like, oh, this is a show I worked on. This is really fun. When I was there, like the, um, there was just a lot of, not a lot of specificity. Like there was like in the interview process, I asked, well, how many people do you typically accept per year? And they're like, I don't know, sometimes two, sometimes six. It was very like, okay. So it's kind of more like, it's less like this is a very specific program and more about like, you need this amount of student stage managers to run the productions. That's okay. And like, I also wasn't super crazy about the fact that like, as grad students, we still have, you'd still have to uh, retake your undergraduate classes. And it's also considered like, it's not a conservatory, but it's like, 
I don't know if it's a private school, but regardless, there was not much of a financial aid package and I did not want to go into that much debt. Mm-hmm. So I loved the city and the people at the, in the program were fantastic. I'm like, y'all are really cool. And like, I feel like I belong here, but also there's a lot of cons that I'm like, I don't, I'm not necessarily crazy about the program. I love the people, but not the program. Um, and so like, you know, that was, I had like a little East coast trip where I was out there for about two weeks and just, um, between the two schools, checked out New York and then I came home and then, um, as soon as I was home for a couple of days, I got a call from Lisa Porter at UCSD who offered me an interview and I went down and I was also like, you know, looking at my future career and between the time of KCACTF and like, I graduated, I'm like, no, I think I eventually want to end up in New York. Like, I think I, I'd worked at music circus for a few seasons and I was just like, yes, like, I think I, I want to go to New York. And it's going to be like an uphill climb to try to do it like the organic way, which, um, and I was just like totally willing to do, but I'm like, I think grad school will help with that. So I was, I was trying to look at schools on the East coast to be in proximity, just closer to New York. Um, and then I came out to UCSD and instantly I'm just like, these are cool people. This program is phenomenal. And also like, I felt that Yale very much focused on like the technical skills, like how to call a good show, how to put together paperwork and a prompt book, all these things, which is all fine and great. And of course, like they really go over like the equity rule books and all the different unions, all of that. That's great. But UCSD really focuses more on the self. And like, so we talk a lot about self-care. I mean, um, we do, we work a lot on the soft skills like communication and empathy and all we we read a lot of Brene Brown. Um, and then, you know, we do our first year there, we do, they, they do have classes about like going over equity rule books and like, kind of like, we do a lot of case studies on put together a rehearsal report for this. And those are our assignments, but like the, a lot of our classes, like we had one uh, where our book was on adaptive leadership. So we do like a lot of case studies and like, how would you respond? Not just what it's not, not what is the correct way to respond is how do you like, or how do I as Becca respond? And it's so much about like stage managers are not cookie. Like it's not like cookie cutters, like making the same gingerbread cookies. Like we're all so different. We all have different experiences that are, that are equally like valid and valuable. And so bring those into the table. It's not a job you do. It is like a role you put on you know? And so like, I really like, I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the program. And I'm just like, I also was like making fun of myself. I'm like, really California girl from Sacramento, you're going to stay in California. What a shock. <laughs> but like the networking is fantastic. Like the, a lot of our alums are in New York and like, I mean, they work regionally and like the majority of our alums are um, fully employed. Like, and it's so like that whole, like, Yes, the employment rate, where the networking is, is amazing. And I just really fell in love with the program. And I, I think my, I want to say my interview was on a Friday and I flew back to Sacramento on Sunday. And uh, I was in a show, to, or I was not in a show, it was ASMing a show. So I was like also exhausted. I took like three days off from my production, um, which... I was working at Capitol stage at the time and the production manager, Katie Cannon was very like, yes, you do you like, this is for your future. Don't worry about missing three days. We will find a sub. 
she was awesome about it. Um, and then I came back and then Lisa called me on, I think it was Tuesday. She called me just a few days later and she offered me one of the positions. I'm like, oh my God, yes. And she, all of a sudden she's just like, well, you don't, on the phone, I'm like, oh my God, yes, I will come to your program. And, uh, <laughs> and she was like, well, you can take a couple days. I'm like, nope, I'm coming here. And she's just like, well, take a couple days. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm going there. And then like a couple of days, I think it was like Friday of that week. So a few days later, she called me and she's just like, hi, like, I still haven't received your decision. I'm like, Lisa on the phone. I said, yes. And she's just like, well, I said, take a couple of days. I'm like, I didn't want to, I want to go there. And so it was just like this fantastic experience all around. And also I think it's like the, the stage management professors, uh, Lisa Porter and Laura Powell, I mean, they both still work professionally and they bring in guest lecturers and guest artists um, like that we interview and they are all working professionally. So it's like, I feel like out of like Yale, yes, is very connected to the professional theater world and their professors are yes, still working in the world. But I felt like just everyone was so much about like the goal is to get you the job, but like also the goal is to make sure that you as a human being are prepared for the work you're going to be entering. And so, like, I mean, sometimes, like, I compare some of the classes to therapy because sometimes, like, you are just, like, holding that mirror up to yourself. And sometimes you don't want to look in that mirror, but in order to, like, heal and move forward, you kind of have to. And it's really hard. It's really, really hard. Um, Grad school has been by far the most challenging almost three years of my life. Well, a little over two, but, you know, challenging two and a half years of my life, but also the most rewarding and where I see I have grown the most, not only as a stage manager and a professional, but also as a human being. And I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's just, I mean, this is, this is the second time I've heard all of that. And it's just, um, so mama, if you're listening to this, if you're (laughs) wondering why I want to go across the country and go to a, a school for stage management, there you go. Yeah. Um, opportunities are fantastic, but just like, I don't know. I feel like, I, yeah, I love it. I've really fallen in love with this program even more the longer I've been in it. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't hurt that you're connected to La Jolla, which is one of the right. uh, biggest yeah. regional theaters in the, in the country. Yeah. Um, and it's a little challenging right now um, because like residencies are on hold right now because of COVID and they can't yeah. offer those contracts uh, or equity contracts. Cause that's another appeal about the program is um, you are um, given the opportunity or rather offered the opportunity to work on a show with La Jolla Playhouse in which you, have the option to take your equity card, whether you're an actor or stage manager. Um, and that's kind of on hold right now, which is sad. I'm more sad that um, I haven't cultivated that relationship with La Jolla Playhouse yet. Like equity card, I'm not going to say equity card, schmequity card, but like I, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll eventually get an equity card. That's not the worry. Like yeah. it's, I, I already consider myself a professional stage manager, whether I hold an equity card or not. I feel like the word professional is more of an attitude than anything, but um, I'm just kind of sad. I don't like have the relationship that I would have wished I have right now with the Hoya Playhouse, but also like Lisa and Laura are talking to the Hoya Playhouse and like figuring out a way where we still can come back and work on a show if that's possible in the near future. So, I mean, I think that's the thing is like Lisa Porter and Laura Powell are always advocating for us. They are always advocating for um, us to get the best education we can and the education that is going to serve us the best. So like my thesis, typically like for your thesis, you work on a production and then you defend your thesis and kind of like, 
talk about your entire journey at UCSD. But like personally, I wasn't super interested in working on a virtual production this quarter, which would have been my thesis. Because I'm like, well, I've worked on a couple of virtual productions already. And I'm not saying that like, I'm too good to work on them or anything. But I'm like, I have the skills I feel that would get me through the rest of this COVID time where we are working on productions. But let's be real. Once we have the ability to go back to doing live theater, we're going to do live theater. And maybe there are going to be some skills from virtual production we'll bring in to design aspects. Or maybe there will be some like readings online. Sure. I have those skills. So I'm like, there's no need on me continuing to work on these skills that I already have that are in a way going to become obsolete soon. And so I talked to Lisa about rap instead focusing my thesis on teaching because like, I mean, like I mentioned in my story, like I was, I'm really interested in teaching. And uh, so that's what I'm going to do is like, I'm TAing two classes this quarter and one the next and helping um, come up with curriculum for a class that's going to be taught after I'm gone. And a part of my thesis is I'm going to come up with like a, um, like a teacher's like the ethics statement. I can't remember what it's called, but that teaching statement and then like a CV and all of these things. But it's, it's like, you know, I could have just as easily kept my mouth shut and then just grit and bared it and walked away with not the experience or the opportunity I wanted. But they are so encouraging of, no, if you don't want this, then speak up. Like, say you don't want this, say what you want. Because that's also feedback for them where they're like, well, you know, maybe this is a perspective we haven't seen or something we're not super like up on ourselves, but we can for, you know, future stage managers that are going to come through the program. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, for those people who are kind of in my, in the same boat as me or where, or where I was probably about uh, six months ago, I think kind of this idea of, I think this is what I want to do. Like what, what are some, What's some advice on either looking at programs or, uh, you know, applying to programs or if somebody was just like, I don't know what to do, Rebecca, help me, help me out. What, what are some things that, um, that you would tell them? I think it's important to name out loud that you do not need to go to grad school to be a good stage manager. I think that just needs to be said out loud. I know in the industry, like there are some alums in this program that have chosen to take UCSD off their resume, not because they're ashamed of it. But because there is a culture between those that went to, to grad school and those that did not and kind of work their way up the chain that going to grad school is the easy way out. I mean, from my experience, grad school is not easy. So it's not the easy way out. But also there's still, you know, there's still an idea around that. But I just I want to put it out there that you do not need to go to grad school to be a good stage manager. If like you are good at networking and you feel comfortable, like, you know, working with your skills and like it's about getting where you want to go. So if you feel tenacious and you want to go for it, then go for it. Again, I went into stage management predominantly because there were a lot of skills I did not have and I wanted to eventually teach. And so in order to teach, you kind of need it. Well, this to, in order to teach at the level I wanted to teach, which was undergrad, I needed a master's. Um, and so like I would say advice is probably the first thing you want to look at is how much are you willing to spend? Um, there are a couple programs, UCSD, I mean, a, a lot of given so many of the budget cuts and everything that are happening, some of the programs are cutting their budgets or like what funding they're willing to give. Um, just think, be conscious about how much money are you willing to spend because working in the arts, we're not guaranteed work. And sometimes it's barely livable wage work. 
And so are you willing to walk away with student loans? Um, are you, do you feel comfortable with going into debt or do you feel comfortable with working while you're in grad school? So you don't go into as much debt. Um, so definitely like, I wouldn't say let the money lead you, but be very conscientious of how much money are you willing to spend on this education? Um, the second thing is, is like when you're looking around for schools, like if you're interested in pursuing musical theater, look for programs that focus in musical theater. If you're looking for ones that are more about new works or straight plays or operas, look for those programs, look for the programs that it's not just about, it's not about the prestige of the name on your resume, but look for programs that actually teach what you want to learn. Um, and then I would say like when you are, when you're interviewing, do not be, don't be afraid to like have your heart be involved. Like if you're just not feeling it, then what's the point of going in debt for something you're just not feeling, you know, it's, I mean, uh, UCSC really checked all the boxes for me, but that also doesn't mean that it's going to check the boxes for everyone. Someone might like kind of hate UCSD, but connect way more with Yale than I did. And if that is like, it's about that connection. Yeah. So I think those are the three big ones is like looking at how much are you willing to spend slash going to debt. Um, yeah. Listening to your heart. What was the second one? Oh my God. I just forgot what the second thing was. I was so bullet pointed and perfect until just now. Um, <laughs> the last one was about listening to your heart because it was very Wawa. Um, and then the second one was, uh, oh yeah. Like go somewhere where it, there are classes and things that teach what you want to learn. I work with middle school students and I talk to them about like what to look at. And I give them the same thing. It's just in a different order. Yeah, I think it's also important to put out there like the difference between an MA and an MFA by adding the fine in there instead of Master of Arts. Uh, Master of Fine Arts, it's a terminal degree. So, I mean, someone could attend, like theoretically go on and get their PhD after it, but typically like MFA is like the yeah. end of the road. It's specific. And so like, yeah, like a BA is t like generally you can get like a general theater BA. Yeah, which and that is what is, I have, uh, yeah. Right. And like, that's what I have too. And it's general, like it's not, it doesn't have to be the end of the road for some, that's the last degree they get, which, and I mean, they go on to be completely like, you know, they're, they're employed. Um, yeah. but like when you get into grad school, it is all about specificity. Like it's a, like a graduate degree, a, a master's degree is not about general. It is about specific. You are becoming a master of this thing. Yeah. And I think that's what, um, not too many people have asked me like straight on, like, why do you want to go to grad school? Which I understand that's probably the first question they'll ask me if, you know, if I get an interview. Um, but, you know, I know it's the question that I have to answer. And, and a lot of my reasoning is very similar to yours. Like I, my program did have a stage management class, but it had a stage management class and, um, and it was, it was great. I learned how to do a production book. I still have my kit I made in it, um, you know, and taught like the basics of calling it, of calling a show and whatnot. But, you know, I stage managed one show while I was there as a student and then they hired me to stage manage, um, into the woods. But I just really want to take those three years where I'm taught, Mm -hmm. this thing that I want to be my, my career. Mm -hmm. You know, I've really loved my time at the community theater I work in here and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but 
it's not going to, it's not going to propel me to where I want to be. Exactly. And it's either go to grad school or work my way up. Like you were saying at different, at different uh, theaters, different size, different levels of theaters. And I don't necessarily want to skip those. It's not like I'm going to grad school to skip that. So I can go to New York, but it's just, I want to, I want to finally go to where all I'm studying is the stage management. Um, and I, and the other programs I'm going to aren't stage management programs, but there are other parts of theater that I really want to study. And it's the same for both of them. It's, I just want to sit in a class or a multitude of classes for three years and just talk and learn and read about and, and practice while being in rehearsals and putting on shows um, and, and failing in a place where I'm allowed to fail, but people are there to teach me how to not. And yeah. And, um, and again, it's, it's not even like what we learn in this program. It's not even about failing. It's, it's like re like relabeling failing as this is a learning opportunity. And yeah. like something I've had to definitely like get into myself. It's not, yeah. Like we had talked about earlier, it's not about perfection. It's about like, you know, learning how to respond instead of um, react and like, like little things that you just tools that you take with you. Yeah. And it's not even about making you the best stage manager. It's about making you your best self. Yeah. And, and just, you know, the idea of, I think one of the reasons why our conversations are always so long is because we very rarely get to talk to other people like us. <laughs> um, I mean, you're, you're in a program with other stage managers, but even just sitting down and talking just, you know, to another stage manager about whatever, just the idea of, of grad school is just so exciting to me. Um, and I, it's been something that I've thought about for years, but it's not really, it's not really hit me that like, yes, this is what I want to do until right now. Um, so we talked a little bit about the classes. What are, what is like being part of the productions like um, as, a, as a stage manager in the, in the MFA program? So structure wise, like our first two quarters, we are either like first or second ASMs on productions. Um, and then our spring quarter of our first year, so every spring there is a Wagner New Play Festival, which is where the playwrights get to um, workshop their their plays. Um, and so that's the first time uh, that we get to PSM is on one on one of the shows. And then usually uh, second year, which is also three quarters, um, fall, winter, spring. We I we um, like mine. I was the first ASM on the on a third year's um thesis show so there was that and then my next two quarters i psm'd no did i hold on god what was my second year what happened last year um oh no 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 so then uh it's only usually in the fall and the winter you work on productions because again the wagner new play festival in the spring is uh usually just for the first years and like we can like either we have an opportunity to teach or I was going to be like a quote unquote production supervisor over the Wagner new play festival and kind of um, look more into what does it mean to be a production manager? But that's, that's like not an assignment. That's just something I was interested in. So like, you know, I, I was just like, cool. What if I were like supervise these, what would that look like? 
Um, and then your last year, you, uh, so we graduate in March. So our last year is only two quarters. So it's the fall and the winter and winter ends in March. Um, and usually that's where you are doing your thesis and your residency. Like either it's, you know, it's, it's, it just depends on like how the season looks. Um, every year we put in proposals of what shows we want to work on. And we have to put in not just a, I want to work on this show. It's a, I want to work on this show because blah, 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 because I want to work with this person or I want to work on this skill or this or that. Also every year uh, we put together annual goals and we also for every production put together production goals. And I mean, they can, yes, be very technical. Like I've had multiple production goals be around like get more comfortable with using technology and get away from using paper. So I've gotten actually, I've been very effective at that and I'm much more, um, I use my iPad way more in productions now than I like write in a notebook. Um, but then there are like a lot of goals that also have, like I've written a lot of goals. These are very personal like goals. So they're not, everybody writes these same goals, but I have a lot of ground like self-regulating and um, recognizing my feelings in the moment instead of like stuffing them down and figuring them out later. And like, so a lot of the goals too, like you can frame around um, yourself and like uh, your soft skills and just like what you're learning in class as well. So it's, uh, it's very focused on goals. And it's not even about like something I had to kind of wrap my brain around. It's not even about accomplishing those goals. It's more about forming a relationship with those goals and where do they fit in your life now and where might they fit in the future. I actually saw this uh, was on your Instagram a couple weeks ago that your program is coming up with a new diversity in, um, uh, initiative is the word that I wrote down. Uh, can you talk about that? Because it sounded like a cool thing and something that you were excited about. Yeah. So I am currently working. I'm, I'm a part of a work group uh, that is focusing on equity, diversity, and inclusion within the department. And we have been working with an outside uh, organization called Ready Set, um, which they come in and they do like a lot of testing and surveys and like group discussions about like what is the status quo right now in the department and where do we want to change that status quo as it pertains to equity, diversity, and inclusion. So like uh, a lot of what we've been talking about, and I mean, a lot of it's, it's, We've, we started this work, I mean, I think my first year, but it's so crazy how it's really mirroring what's happening right now um, so much. But we're talking a lot about how like our programming doesn't really reflect the diversity within our, um, within our department or like the uh, actors, like their training is more about anglicized acting versus like learning how to act for who they are kind of thing. And so um, there's definitely been a push in the department. Um, I would say it's a little bit more of a student-led push to make this work a regular part of the department culture and to continue that work because we also already said uh, we're going into like our last quarter with them. So then they're going to leave and then we're going to continue to do the work somehow. So we're in the process of setting up like a work group and a system where not only is there like a brave space uh, for those that want to come and talk, um, but also as a way to change the culture in the department and change the system. Um, and it's, it's really challenging too, because also like the department is its own like bubble, but it's within an even bigger bubble of 
a university institution. So like, mm-hmm. there's also a lot of pressure coming from up above and like, it, it's, you know, I have to say, I'm really like happy that, especially in the last quarter, cause we really, this, all of this really started happening. The work really escalated, especially from the student body uh, around the um, time when there was the George Floyd killing and like mm-hmm. the protests were starting. And like, I mean, our also all, so many of the students within our department are so politically like, um, uh, we're all like so activist and like we are all what is the word I'm thinking of well, involved in mm-hmm. like a lot of political movements. So we're just like, well, potato, potato. Let's you know, let's also change our departments. Um, but like you know, there's been also a major shift in um, authority within our department, which I think is for the better. Um, and the faculty have been fairly responsive to the work that's happening. Um, right now, I just, I've noticed though, like a lot of the students are doing a lot of the work right now, which we're trying to shift to where the faculty also take on this work and how can we do the work together? Because also like, it has been so much a culture of the department that um, you have your students and you have your faculty. And like, so it's very, when it comes to, especially like EDI work, the work has often been done separately we're not done at all. So now we're trying to do it to where like, we're all doing the work all together and we're all holding each other accountable, which then, you know, gets into like power dynamics and like, what does that look like? And like, what, what is like an institutional norm versus uh, like uh, an unconscious bias of an individual? And what do all of these look like? Um, And then also we have for the last two years been working with, um, Intimacy, Direct- Intimacy Directors International, which is now, into, well, they, there's now another company that a lot of their Intimacy Directors have transitioned over into, which is Intimacy Directors and Coordinators. And so we've been doing uh, bringing a lot of Intimacy Coordinators uh, and Choreographers into our processes. And like, I personally use the pillars, which is like kind of their foundation of um, when it comes to like holding a safe space and like using language and also like consent. Um, I brought that a lot into my own productions, which has been great, which also was fed into the EDI work. And so I think there's just a really positive shift, not only like in our department, but there's are also starting to be major shifts in institutions and major shifts in theaters, which again, like I know I mentioned the whole We See You movement and that is like really shedding light on a lot of um, the inequalities that are in theater. And it is my goal to continue to bring that work out into um, into the world and not just bring it out in the world, but lead with it. Because I also like, as a white cisgender female, I also recognize my privilege. And as someone that serves in a position of assumed authority as a stage manager, it is my responsibility to, to um, call up those inequalities and create a brave space for everyone to be able to do their best work. Right. Yeah. That's so, that's so awesome. All of that is just amazing and just adds on to like the, the, the pro column of, of wanting to come to uh, UCSD and the fact that it's, it's just striving to keep growing, Um, you know, see a problem. What can we do about it? Keep growing and and stuff like that. Let's just, just amazing. Right. And there are also, I mean, little things. It doesn't have to be like these huge like, yeah, yeah. displays. And, and I'm not saying like performative displays. It doesn't have to be these huge things. Like I, I was actually, um, I'm going to be doing in week zero, there's going to be, we always do a reading of the incoming playwright. 
And so I'm going to be stage managing that. And I reached out to the director and the playwright and I'm like, Hey, like I've noticed here, like, cause we, we use pronouns within our department, especially like with it, when it comes to introductions, we state what our pronouns are. Um, and something I've been thinking about is like, well, you know, pronouns are still kind of catching on in the professional world, um, especially in more conservative areas. Like it just hasn't quite caught on, but it's getting there. And so I asked the director and the playwright, like, do you feel comfortable if not only like I ask ahead of time what people's pronouns are, but also if I add it to the contact sheet. And I'm like, I feel that's something that is like, you know, it might not be the norm now. It might not be the norm for a while, but I feel like it is going to be the norm. And where I can start to make these changes is within the department where I know Mm -hmm. I have a safe space to be able to try out these things. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like, no, I see like, knowing what someone's pronouns are is very important. That's very important to me. So like, to me, it's not a risk. To me, it's like another way to add like equity and equality and justice to like a moment and on a production. And like, where else would I start? You know, like, yeah, like I might bring professional world and get looked at funny or the director might be like, no, I don't really want to do that, which is absolutely fair. But like, I have the opportunity to do it now and I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been adding that to my contact sheet for a while. I think yeah. I, a, and a, a big part of that is just because of where I am. Uh, Cause Asheville is, is a place that for the most part embraces adding that to, right. and, you know, and, and there's a lot of people at the university that I'll see will put their pronouns in the, um, in like their email. Yeah, and I've always usually had it in my email signature, same thing, but yeah. I've never really, like, other than in introductions, I've never really, like, had it on any kind of official paperwork, and I'm like, why not? Like, I yeah. do it. Yeah. What? what yeah. It's, I think a lot of it is, like, I think whenever we make a risk, and this is something we learned in the program, but, you know, whenever you take a risk, I mean, there's always the thought of what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. And I think that can be kind of framed in two ways is what do you have to lose from a scarcity mentality? If I have so much to lose, so don't take the risk when really it could be flipped on its head is what do I have to lose is honestly, the stakes are never high enough to where it's going to be like life or death. I mean, of course mm-hmm. there are situations, but it's like, what do I have to lose? It's I don't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. And again, getting back into the whole, there's no such thing as failure is it will always be a learning opportunity. So I really don't have anything to lose because if I mess up or it is messy or doesn't work out well, it's a learning opportunity. And that is always beneficial. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, so what are, so you're going into your last two quarters. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't realize that um, the third year is not a full three quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have two more quarters left. What is, um, kind of, what do you want to do past those two quarters? What are, so short-term goals, long-term goals, (laughs) (laughs) short-term goals, long-term goals. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say I want to be employed. (laughs) Um, I mean, given the pandemic, that's, I feel like a long-term goal at this point. Um, But I mean, if I were to put it out in the universe, this is what I want to do is ultimately I want to work off Broadway and I want to work on new works and I love political theater and magical realism. So if I'm putting it out in the universe, those are the kind of shows I want to work on. Um, 
I also would love to get like a couple like Pulitzer Prize winning shows under my belt before they're Pulitzer Prize winners. So then like my right. name is in that, my name's in that script. Uh, and that's just not, it's not for vanity, but it's just like, I, I really have loved every single Pulitzer Prize winner that's come out for the last decade. And even like the, the ones that didn't win, the nominees are all incredible. And that's the kind of work I, I want to work on shows that, challenge the status quo and change it just a little bit. Those are the ones I love. Um, and like, I love the culture of off Broadway. Um, I've seen quite a few shows and like, it's the, the shows that have come out of it and the stage managers that a lot of, there are a lot of alum working from the program working off Broadway and just like the attitude I feel is, especially when you get away from commercial off-Broadway, so you're more like nonprofit off-Broadway. I love it so much about the mission statement and it's about doing the work and being artists together compared to sometimes like with commercial off-Broadway and commercial Broadway shows, it's more about the product. And like, I know I mentioned earlier, I'm so much more of a process person than a product. And I mean, of course, like I I think another goal too is like to take a show from off-Broadway and bring it to Broadway. I think that would be really interesting to be like, to kind of work in the two worlds and kind of bridge that gap and not saying there's a gap, but like be able to like work in those two worlds and do well and still just be an artist always. Um, I think that's my long-term goal is to always be an artist right? and to not get bored with the work or uh, um, I never want to hate my job and I don't think I will as long as I continue learning so i hope i never get to a point to where i become complacent right yeah and so short-term goals is employment um i mean i was talking with uh, a girlfriend of mine in uh sacramento and our goal is i think it's kind of on hold right now but is to move to new york next fall so in a year i moved to new york but we'll see like where work is and i'm also trying to not hesitate because i'm very much a believer of if you put it out to the universe right good things out into the universe they'll come to fruition eventually so i'm trying to put good things out into the universe yes i want to move to new york and be employed uh by fall of next year but also i'm happy to stick around sacramento for a bit or to explore california a little bit more but ultimately new york right yeah i think that's yeah i think that's on my path as well yeah I mean, I feel like most people in our shoes, that is our, that is our end game is to be in New York, whatever level that is. Absolutely. Um, I I mean, I've also like, every time I visit New York, I fall so much more in love with it. Like, I love the people. I love the city. And so it's not even to be like, "Mm, I work in New York. It's like, no, like I feel so much like I belong there. Like such a city of artists. And I feel so like just... I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. The last two times I've gone, I went by myself and it was just, it, 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 that in itself is its own experience of just like, um, (laughs) the second, the, not this last time, the time before I also, I went to go to the stage manager symposium in person. Um, and that was the first time I was in New York by myself and the first time I wasn't in New York with a big group. And I remember I walked the second day, I walked like 11 miles mm-hmm. and so like cool. half of that was me going the wrong way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like the second time I went, it was like, like, okay, I had these tricks of like, okay, look before you actually start walking in a certain direction. Oh, 
yeah. And I, like, I mean, like, I grew up in like, the state too, so I'm like, oh, I know the, I know how to get across traffic. No, I'm, I, I've, I've, I've always grown up in the town where you drive everywhere. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it's like walk to the street. You're like, okay, I know I need a turn, but what street is that way? Okay, that's going down. I need to go up. So yes, we'll go this way. And you know, and I've I've always gone for like a week or seven or eight days. And so it was just nice, like being able to ride the subway and not really get lost and look like, you know what you're doing. Um, know my, um, there's someone in our program who's a year above me. His name's Jacob. Shout out to Jacob. He's great. If he ever listens to this, um, but he's from New York. And so like I was going, we were working on sh- uh, actor showcase together and like we always perform in New York. And so that's like, that was like one of the first times I had been in New York for like an extensive amount of time, like not on a layover, not for a day or two. We were there for a few days. And I remember him, like, I, I was just like, you know, the last time I was here, I navigated the subways. Okay. I got going the wrong direction a couple times. Like, is there some kind of like system that is like an easy, like I need like a cheat sheet. And he like did the, like, he did such a low down. He like, I mean, I think it's easy to start, like, this is what uptown is, this is what downtown is. Um, and then he definitely laid out, like, the difference between, like, the local and the ex- express subways. Oh, yeah. And, like, the difference between, like, the AC and E and, like, when you should actually take, like, the one, two, three, or four, five, six, and, like, where they are in conjunction with Central Park. And, like, like he gave me, like, this quick five-minute lowdown. I'm like, I got it. And he also yeah. told me, just, like, you know, when it's, like, East something this street. He's just like then it's east of Central Park, and he, he just like so laid it out where I'm like ah, if ever I were to get lost and my phone were to die, I think I could navigate back to my hotel no matter where I ended up, which is yeah. like saying yeah. something. And I'm like, but like even like knowing that, and then like honestly, like maybe it's because I've only stayed really like in the theater district or Midtown or Chelsea or East Village or Brooklyn, but like honestly, I've never really felt unsafe in the city. And I think a lot of it too is like, don't look like you're a tourist, you know, it's like, yeah, don't, just don't, don't like be gawking and open eyed and, you know, looking like a tourist and then people won't take advantage of you. And I think that's for any big city too. It's yeah. just like, look like you know where you're going, secretly check your phone and be like, Oh fuck, I'm on the wrong subway. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, luckily I pretty much, well, I mean, I stayed where I stayed both times where I stayed, was like blocks from the a line so it was and i was pretty much just going down to the theater district the whole time and so like i lucked out i didn't have to go anywhere else (laughs) other than just uptown downtown Um, but no i i think my next time i go to new york i want to go with somebody like it's fun to do it by yourself because you can you know go sit in times square and and sit and just think is this where i want to come is this where i want to be um you know, walk walk to the stage door of the theater and be like, "Is this the door I want to walk in?" Mm-hmm. Eight times a week, like, uh, like when we were talking about shadowing, like uh, we both shadowed the Lion King, and we both walked in that stage door, and there's just yeah. this whole like the thousands of people are going that way to go into the box office, but I'm going through this door, right. Like, is this what I, I want to do eight times a week? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I think also, um, when I shadowed Lion King, because I shadowed a matinee, and it was like Saturday matinee. Was it Saturday or Sunday matinee? I know they had a two. I know it was a two-show day. It must have been Saturday. Um, but I remember also getting out of the theater, and I 
mean, Saturday matinee in the theater district, like it's like you can barely walk anywhere because there are so many people. And I remember just getting annoyed with the amount of people. And I talked with somebody about this afterwards and they're like, oh, you're a New Yorker already because you're annoyed at tourists. I'm like, yeah, I get, yes. I was like so annoyed that people would stop take pictures or like just randomly stop or like start walking slower and walk in front of you. And I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. Like I love New York, but this is awful. And people are like, yeah, it's because yeah. tourists suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I live in a tourist town, so it's, you know, I get that anyway, but yeah, it's just, it, there's something about going to New York, to New York by yourself, especially when you're kind of using that, that, visit to determine whether it's something you want to do um in your professional career but i I think the next time i go i want to go with somebody i would love to go with somebody it's it's weird like sometimes i want to go with somebody who has like the same like you like i would love to go to new york with you right (laughs) but um but i would also love to go with somebody who's never been Mm, just to just to kind of watch them take it all in like the first time they walk to to times square and they're just like and just being like over one you know navigate the elmos and the yeah the elmos and the avengers who are trying to take pictures of you but i was gonna say just navigate the jfk like air train to the train to the subway that whole mess like that's a that's an experience i i typically i typically fly into newark so okay fair yeah, we have a cheaper for me, so I get yeah, it. Yeah, well, the the Asheville the Asheville um, airport flies direct to Newark for wow. like ninety nine dollars one way. That's nice. Yeah, so um, and it's like an hour and a half long. It's yeah, it's a great flight. Um, but yeah, I just so like part of me wants to go with you, and then a part of me wants to go with somebody who's never been just to watch them like watch them take their first Broadway show in. And just be like, this is, Ooh. this is amazing. What was your first Broadway show? My first Broadway show was the Lion King. Oh, oh, that's right. You said that. One that's what, yeah, that's why, um, yeah, that's why shadowing it just came full circle, a yeah. circle of life. Oh, one might say. Should I, because um, I didn't laugh the last time, should I laugh this time? No, it's fine. It's terrible. <laughs> you said that's a pun. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> um, my best friend who will listen to this will just groan that I made that joke. Um, but yeah, that, and then two months later, I went and saw the producers um (laughs) on a church trip that's like a that's a that's a it's a funny little story they thought because i did theater that i would know what shows to go watch that's a really inappropriate show for a church trip. yeah and they were like john what show should we get because they were going to tkts and i was like well um yeah i've heard the producers is good but i knew nothing about it up until that point all i knew was that it sold out for like four years in a row oh yeah (laughs) and so they're like fine and we got 50 dollars tickets for front row mezzanine center it was like oh, beautiful Lord, tickets yeah. and like um <laughs> right or like right after the second song i had to like lean over and be like oh, i'm so sorry yeah the, to the because i was singing next to the, to the youth minister of course and uh right. uh she yeah. she's like she's like it's fine so and so's not here so we're not gonna get in trouble so, but <laughs> uh, but yeah it's just i've only seen I think I've shadowed the same amount of shows that I've seen. No, that's okay, not right I, I've, I've, I mean, I've shadowed a ton of tours more than anything. So yeah. I know like what the books look like, but not actually like what they look like on Broadway. I mean, they're often not too different, especially the yeah. national tours. But 
I've done. Oh, I've done three shadows, and I've seen. Seven. Yeah, the last time I was there, <laughs> the last time I was there, I saw, I, I shadowed Lion King in Oklahoma, but I saw Phantom, um, Dear Evan Hansen, and Hamilton. Got to see Hamilton. See, and I saw the tour when it came down to LA. I drove down to LA to see it because it was in that San was my Francisco. birthday gift to myself. <laughs> I yeah, went to I paid, on my birthday, yeah. I mean, I paid like six hundred dollars, but it was like there were good seats in LA, and I'm like, oh, here we are. Yeah, we're I not gonna we're not gonna talk about how much I paid for it, but I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was tenth row on the aisle. I was, I was eight, I was row K, and uh, a little, I was off to the right, yeah. um, but like close to the aisle. No, so the first fun. thing I, I shadowed Lion King before I saw anything. My first, like, first first trip to New York was a layover. And that was to get me to Yale. Um, so I flew into JFK and then I took the bus from Port Authority to um, New Haven. Um, and then I flew, I came back, flew out of JFK and then went to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, that was my New York experience was four hours. And so my <laughs> first trip I ended up going to, they had um, a Downton Abbey exhibit and I mm-hmm. totally went there because I'm such a nerd about Downton Abbey. I love it so much. So they had the exhibit, like where they had all the costumes. It was really cool. And then my second trip, which was for Showcase, which we were there for a couple days, um, I still didn't see a Broadway show, but I got to see um, the play that goes wrong with Off-Broadway. And I freaking loved it. It was so good. It's, and I bought the script like immediately. I'm like, yeah. this is such a fun show. I mean, it's very commercial off Broadway. Yes. But I'm like, I would love to work on this show. I, um, yeah. So I saw that. Uh, and then I shadowed it like three oh, days later. Did you shadow Maddie DiCarlo? I did shadow Maddie oh, DiCarlo. Amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and then he did a podcast episode a few months ago. And that's kind of how we got connected was. Yeah was that I show that. I, I like I follow him on Instagram and I think I've like DM'd him once or twice like while I was in New York to be like do you want to meet up for coffee and I hope like if Maddie DiCarlo ever listens to this I'm like I'm not a creepy person I swear I'm just trying to network and be a human with other human beings yeah. um no he's great he's yeah. also very very busy yes um, no and that's he, why I'm like I assume yeah, yeah he was <laughs> he, he he PSM'd um Beetlejuice when it came out Oh, fun fact, that was the first Broadway show I ever saw. I saw it in previews. I got uh-huh. to stand, I like stood behind the audience. They had like standing room. And I like stood next to this guy and we got to chatting and he's like a scenic designer um, in New York. And so we got to chatting about our jobs. Yeah, so I saw it. I saw, so I saw Matt call that show. And ironically, when I was, um, it was about, oh God, nine months before, which is when we were there for showcase when I saw a show that goes wrong. I think it was in the process of like prepping for the tour because I saw Maddie DiCarlo like in the audience and walking around and I almost thought about introducing myself, but I'm like, no, Becca, don't be weird. Um, and then like, then I saw it was, I, it was crazy that I saw Beetlejuice. Then the next trip I was out there because I also was just like, had very little time while I was out there and I wasn't, like, I only really had time to see a show. And I'm like, I, um, the show first Broadway show I saw Maddie DiCarlo called. And it's just yeah. so funny. Like I like that connected, but then, yeah, then I went out, last January about nine months ago is the last time I was in New York and I saw a bunch of shows um and I did also sleep no more which I love it was so fun um but yeah then like I saw the new West Side Story I got to see Hades Town and again like I didn't really want to see anything too basic but then I like 
won the lotto for Wicked. So I'm like, I guess I'm seeing Wicked. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was either that or I also interred for Oklahoma. And I'm just, I got Wicked. And I'm like, I guess I'm doing Wicked. That's fine. Yeah. I'll just try to kill some time, really. But um, yeah. Oh, but so, then I saw, oh my God, I saw Slave Play. Oh, oh yeah. That was super good. Anyways, yeah. So like, I think I've seen eight shows now on Broadway and I've seen like two or three off Broadway and then I've only shot one. Yeah. Last time. Yeah. When I was in New York last time, I would, I saw a show in every slot that was available. So did I. Like and the entire um, time I went. Um, one of them though, I got to see, I saw late night with Stephen Colbert. <gasps> like I got oh, that ticket. That was fourth row on the aisle on that one. It was, yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was, that was an amazing thing in itself. That's really fun. Um, I got to see a same thing. I filled up the slots and Hades town was doing um, a special Friday matinee show for um, like the equity fights AIDS thing. So they're doing an extra, like it was like a benefit show. And what mm. was really cool about it is the majority of the audience, I mean, tickets were like 99 bucks. So I'm like, yeah, I might as well. Like that's, yeah. I, mean, I got great seats and really in that theater, there's not a horrible seat because the, the mezzanine is just so raked. Yeah. So it's a really good seat. Um, so it's out with the OG cast. Again, Patrick Page, full circle. We were just talking about him. Um, and it was really cool because it was very clear the majority of the audience was like, it, it was like an industry night. There were so many theater people there and it just like added to the energy in the room. And just, yeah. I love seeing shows with other theater people because there, oh. there's just that added level of appreciation and just, Oh, like the applauses are longer and it's just like, we know how much work goes into it. So it's just like, thank you for doing this work. Yeah. Right. And the, the um, equivalent to that in my theater is what we call friends and family night or most people call yeah. the invited dress, but yeah. yeah, our friends and family night is typically the best audience of the entire run. Which I mean, which is like great and stinks at the same time because it's before you open, but it's also great because it's the end of our tech week. And so we're like exhausted, blah, 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 blah. And then they just give us so much energy for opening night. Yes. Yes. I, you know, it's really the best. And I can tell like the, the actors were really just loving it and like not milking it, loving it, but they were just like, I could see them absorbing that energy. And it was just so, it must've been a nine show week unless they like cut out a show during the week. But I think that it might've been a nine show week. My neighbor is being very loud. (laughs) All right. So we're, we're going to move on to our last question. And this is the last question that I ask everybody. And a lot of people (laughs) hate that I put them on the, on the spot with this, but it's okay. Take your time in answering. Um, But why theater? Um, I think, let me think about that before I answer. I mean, theater is so much a part of just human history. Um, It has been used as a way to like educate the masses, to like emotionally move someone. It can be therapeutic. Um, Why theater for me is I found a community when I didn't have one. I was in a dark place and it helped me find love and that I have value 
and that my value isn't just tied into what I can do or present to someone else, but just by being a good human being. And I think that like, you know, I, I, you know, I worked on a show, it was in 2016 and it was over the summer and it was during, you know, that it was, uh, it happened, we were going into like our final tech or going into one of our final rehearsals in summer stock, um, at music circus. And it was when there was the nightclub shooting, um, the gay nightclub shooting. And it really like, it shook all, of course it shook all of us, um, And the director got up and said some words and he said, look, this is the reason why we do this. Whether it is, whether we do our jobs to entertain, always remember that this could be someone's way of escaping the world. And that is what we can offer in the especially dark times is a place to escape to. And that can give someone just like such a glimmer of hope to be able to move on to the next day. And I think just like being able to hold that space for someone in the audience that, and if like I can just by doing the work, make their day just a little bit better, that's, that's good enough for me. That is beautifully put. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, I know that. A lot of people, they do. They're like, why didn't you tell me about this question beforehand? Well, it was because I want it to be such a big existential question yeah and it's almost everybody like will tell me later oh i had a better answer like 20 minutes after we got off but you know that's fine um and it's one of those things that i'm glad i'm not on my own podcast because nobody puts me on the spot to answer that (laughs) answer that question uh but it's it's funny you're my 12th episode um and everybody before me I could, I can use their answer. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so, it's so interesting how the answers to that question are so individualistic to everybody, yeah. but in some form it's, it's the same for everybody who does yeah. it at least. Um, no matter where they're, they're coming from the stage management standpoint or from the actor standpoint or from a design standpoint, it's just, everybody has their own reasons and then all those individual reasons creates that community of every single individual comes to that show for whatever reason they come to that show. And then they use their knowledge and their love and their skills and everything, every part of who they are to create that product through the process. And I think it's like, I mean, there's also that cliche is like, I don't want to go to work every day or like, I don't want to look back after I've quote unquote retired and feel like I've wasted my life. Yeah. And I think that every day that I am in theater and I'm working and not working and just like hanging out with my theater folks, it's, I'm not like I'm living my life. I'm living my life every day and none of it is going down the drain. Yeah. My boss, my boss in my 40 hour a week job, who is an amazing, amazing human being. Um, a lot of times like she was like, so how are you doing? And I'll tell her my schedule for like the next, you know, three or four weeks. And she goes, how, how do you do it? <laughs> and it's not, it's because I wake up every day wanting, you know, to get to that rehearsal to get to that show and really whether I'm stage managing it, whether I'm in it, um, 
I really do enjoy doing both. I enjoy acting um, and then stage managing. And it's just, there's nothing like it. There's no way that us theater people can explain it to non-theater people um, other than the fact that just come see the show and see the product, but you won't ever understand what's happening backstage and, and the community that's being created. And I think that's why we all come back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, again, like art is meant to be so subjective and to an audience member, like even if it's just a moment to turn your brain off from the outside world or just something to be entertained by, then we're still serving our purpose. Like not Mm -hmm. every single piece of theater has to be this like incredible moving like thing. It can sometimes just as simple as we are entertaining people yeah sometimes it can sometimes it can just be charlie brown like (laughs) yes sometimes i want to put that on a poster like like yeah theater that moves theater that makes you think theater that changes the way you feel about something is very deep but sometimes it it can just be charlie brown absolutely which has its own touching and deepness and it's a it's a show that um i've done i've been charlie brown and it's a special show to me and my sister Mm -hmm. um she and she because she was my director back in high school and she all the time i'll put on facebook was like oh what character do you see me as and she will only ever see me as charlie brown um not just because i played it for her in a show but because that was the first show that both of us did after our dad died And so it was the first show that he hadn't seen me in. And it's the first show he hadn't supported her in. And so she will always see me as Charlie Brown. So like it has its own deepness and its cuteness, but sometimes theater is just Charlie Brown. Yeah. I feel like I need to write that down and that needs to be like a catchphrase. Yeah. Put on a button at least. No, like (laughs) I started doing theater. I also lost my father. Um, And I started doing theater shortly after he passed. And again, it was just also therapy. Yep. Because it made me like it, it again, like I was a part of a community. I was never really alone. And also I felt so validated to feel these authentic feelings without feeling like I had to stuff them down or act a certain way or be a certain way in a room. Yeah. Like if something in theater, whether like I'm an audience member or I'm working on a show, if I feel like crying, if it like touches me, then I'm going to cry and I know I'm not going to be judged by it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's so much about the, I mean, theater is putting on a show where actors portray emotions and hopefully like the audience member believes those emotions and feels those emotions with them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's some like, I mean, rehearsal processes I've been in where like, Like I just, I love the ones where I can get a little bit lost myself in the process by like watching a scene or um, just feeling with my company, whether like it's like with them as humans or like watching like their work and being moved by the work itself. And I just love to be able to have that space to like, I like, I'm not saying I'm a super emotional person, but I mean, I have emotions. We all have emotions and it is so freeing to be in a space where we can be in response to those emotions and that emotions are seen as a strength and a virtue rather than a weakness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say for the most part, the high majority of people in theater are just welcoming and accepting and nurturing. Um, 
where we feel comfortable in in releasing those emotions. Um, and yeah, sometimes it gets super stressful and sometimes people, you know, get in arguments with each other, but at the end of the day, we're all, that's what happens in families. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, you know, it, it's, it's a family. And I think the people who stay in theater for so long, it's all because of the community. I mean, yeah. Being an actor on stage, getting applause and stuff is great, but I love the rehearsal process just as much as I love shows. I've done shows. I've done shows where I acted in that I didn't miss a rehearsal, even if I wasn't called. Like I wasn't called. I would tell the director and the stage manager early on. I like to come to rehearsals. I'm not called to. Is that okay? And they're usually like, yeah. And like Wizard of Oz. I mean, I wasn't not called to a lot of them. Um, I probably only wasn't called to like four rehearsals, but I showed up to all of them. Um, because I enjoyed being around the munchkins. They gave me energy. I enjoyed, you know, watching the scenes and just learning. Um, And I like what you said earlier, just this whole idea of you won't get tired as long as you're learning. Yeah. And every day you learn something different in the theater, especially as a stage manager. One of the things I love to do, and I don't know how much this is done for professional theater, but I like, I'll get to the theater early when I know um, the TD and her, her team are building the set and I'll walk in and I'll just stand on the edge of the stage and I'll just watch her. And usually for about two or three minutes, she'll come over or I'll walk up to her. Hey, how's everything going? How, you know, how, how's our build going? A lot of times it's what can we stand on during rehearsal? But it's just like, why did you, why did we do this? And it's like, well, we needed escape stairs and we needed support here. And so it's like, yeah, I just, I, like I usually get to the theater early, like if we're going to tech or anything and like, you know, we see all like the technicians and um, carpenters working and I love it too. Cause yeah, there are also those like opportunities to connect with them when you might not connect when like predominantly like I've been connecting with them over a rehearsal report and now there's this opportunity to see them in person, but also just, I'm one of those, like I like to get to the theater early And I usually take about 20 minutes in my booth or like in the office, just by myself, either looking over my call book or just walking around the space and taking it all in, like assessing. It's, it's like kind of like a way I, I check in with myself to see where am I today? Like kind of taking note of like, where are my emotions? Where's my energy? Where's my presence? Do I need to be aware of anything? Do I need to adjust anything? And it's also just that connection with the space. I feel it's just very... God, this is going to sound so Wawa and so California, but it's just about like, it's a very spiritual experience for me when I first enter a space for the day. Mm-hmm. And I just need that moment to ground myself in this now space. And it's like the whole, like leaving your shit at the door and coming in and being like fully in service of this production. And by being in service of this production, also being in service to yourself. Like, what do I need to Yeah. So, yeah, I I don't typically do that when I first get to the theater. My favorite thing to do, and I wrote a whole blog on it. I'll send it to you. I wrote a whole blog on it, and it's very important because it has everything to do with this tattoo. Um, yeah. I love to at two different parts of the, of the process. Mm-hmm. One usually after the first rehearsal or before the first rehearsal or somewhere around there, and then one time during tech. Mm-hmm. It's usually the night before opening. I turn off all the lights in the theater. Ghost light is on. 
and then I just sit in the house for however long I need to. And I just I just sit there with the with the with the ghost light, all the sounds happening in the theater. Um, and I just I sit at the beginning before rehearsal start, I sit and I'm like, what like I envision everything that's gonna happen. Right. And then and then like the night before we open, I sit and think, what have we come what have we done up to here from that first read through to our last tech and we're ready to go onto our show and where are we gonna go from here? And it's just there's just absolutely it's so it's it's a um it's just this weird and I don't sit in the booth, I sit in the house. I make sure I sit in the audience um and really just take in everything possible. Um and that's kind of where I get my that's like the spiritual part of theater to me. Yeah. I don't know if you do this. And like, God, anyone listening to this podcast and how much I talk about like emotions and vulnerability and that I cry and like, I don't think that kindness is a weakness. Like, I'm like, I like, I'm a very professional person. Like I get the job done too. But like, I, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but I always get slightly emotional after loadout. You know how like after you've spent all of this time um, in this rehearsal space and like, now all of the props have loaded over to the theater and like the costumes are over there and the spike tape has been pulled up. And I mean that and same thing with like after um, strike, but I get very emotional about their, like this transition from one space to another. And there's just something about it that it's just like this space held so much energy and served a purpose yes but really was like this um vehicle for this process and now it is back to a room now it is back to something that is a physical something and like I always get a little bit emotional and I always kind of like stand in the room for yeah like five ten minutes just like kind of taking it in and being like okay and it's like kind of a way of like letting go um but yeah after like strike I'll usually go into a space and just like take it in and be like you it's not that you served your purpose, but you like this space just, it did a thing. <laughs> I don't know how to be like, be no, I, I feel the same way. I don't necessarily go back into it afterwards. Um, but it, yeah, it's very, it, it's this whole idea that, that, that show that you just did is never going to be done like yes. that anywhere else. Yes. Even if they re, even if they just redid, even if they remounted it in the same space, it's going to be different. Um, and and this whole idea, and it's just it's it's what closes the book on that chapter of yes. your career, of your life, or whatnot. It's um, you know, however long you just spent. Usually, at our theater is like two and a half months um, mm-hmm. because it's like eight to ten weeks of rehearsal and three weeks or four weeks of show, depending on whether it's a musical or not. Um, but yeah, it's just this whole, um, yeah, it's, you're closing it. And again, in another blog, in another blog that I did, um, at the end of Wizard of Oz and Wizard of Oz was such a a powerful show for me for so many reasons, but, um, I couldn't do strike like, like there, I'm usually the first one there with a screw gun after I go meet everybody and back in, I'm, I'm taking things apart. But that day I was just walking around. I had a screw gun in my hand, but I couldn't do anything. Like I just emotionally, I couldn't take it apart. And I remember writing that blog post and I was just sobbing 
it was like a week later and I was just sobbing of like, I could not tear apart that set um, because of everything that show meant to me and everything, not like the show as a whole, like it was the fourth time I'd done it. I finally got to do a dream role, but that particular role because of who the Scarecrow, Tin Man and Dorothy were and, and like who the Munchkins were and who like, we created such a strong bond throughout the cast. Um, first time working with the music director that I wanted to work with. Uh, the first musical where I was the lead in that theater, just so much about my all time favorite costume, like so much about that show that I literally, like I didn't want to close it so much that I couldn't, and we did it like last October. So we're coming up on a year since we've done it. And I tell, I tell people all the time, I could still be doing it. Like I could like, if they want to do it, but if they were like, yeah, let's just keep running it. I can do it four times a weekend for a year. That's how much that show meant to me. And so, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're talking about where you get emotional because nothing like what you just went through is ever going to happen again. Right. In, in that exact capacity. Right. And like, I mean, you kind of touched on too, like we all have those like unicorn shows that were just like what we needed at that moment in time. And just were so special. I have two of those. Um, so Hunchback was one of those. Cause it was at the end of my first season at music circus. I'm just, I just like been a, doing a lot of like self-reflecting and like I was kind of new in theater so there was just so much going on but I learned so much in such a short amount of time and just that show was already beautiful and the cast was incredible and everyone that worked on it was amazing and that's just a really special show for me and then the last show I worked at UCST was really special for me and I think they're just like every show is like going to be an experience one way or another but there are those that are just like you almost like can't get out of your brain because they just really made such an impact. And I hope that like everyone has that opportunity sometime in their lives. Cause I like, I don't think they come around super often either. Like not every show you're going to work on is going to be that, that like unicorn show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, and yeah, you know, we've talked about so many things when it comes to stage managing, but those are the moments that make it, seem why we do what we do it's 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 the reason why we stay up late doing reports why we spend hours on pre-production why we spend hours on perfecting our paperwork why we spend hours on going over our deck sheet to make sure that everything's going to be perfect and um and when we have those moments and, and to me it's there's a moment in every show where it's like this is this is worth it um yeah. And yeah. it's, it's why I keep coming back. It's, it is, it, to a logical person, this is a stupid profession. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, to a logical person, this is a stupid profession, but to people who are passionate about it, there's nothing else that we'd rather do. Um, no. and, yeah. Yeah. and there's, and there is nothing like talking to other people who have the passion about it. That's why we've never had a conversation that's less than two hours long. <laughs> so uh, why, for real though, I, I just looked up at the clock. I'm like, oh my God. Three and a half hours. Yeah. Three and a half hours. Yeah. So this yeah, will be a two-parter. <laughs> yeah. um, and part of that was we were talking before we started recording. But yeah. it's just, um, 
I have a picture on my phone and in my background of all my computers that is there for when I have that terrible rehearsal where I'm like, why do I do this? And that picture is there. Um, But I think it's also just the people that we meet. Like I can't think of anybody who's close to me that wasn't, that wasn't introduced in my life through theater. I think there's one. And then I'm in the same boat. I mean, other than like family, really most of the people I stay in contact with or are close to are all either theater people or like music people. And it's, yeah, we're, yeah, I wouldn't be doing, now that I found it, I wouldn't be doing any other thing. And I mean, the only reason I would work at another job is to be able to afford to do this job. Yeah. I luckily work at a job that uses a lot of my stage management experience uh, or or, uh, skills um, and with a boss who understands what I'm doing. So that's very helpful. Uh, But there are two things I got out of this, out of this conversation. One, we need to go to New York city together. Yes. And two, I desperately, desperately want to work a show with you. Fuck yeah, let's do it. So so when yeah. you're in New York, you'll be in New York three years before I am. I'll come out of <laughs> I'll come out of UCSD, I'll fly up there and you hire me oh, as yeah. your ASM. I'm putting that in the universe is that you're getting into UCSD. So yeah, I'm putting yeah. that out there. Well, thank you so much for not only tonight, but for all the help that you've given me. Um, you know, if not that I want it, but if for some reason this whole theater thing doesn't work out, you can always be a you know, a life coach and how to get into grad school. Oh, fantastic. Yes. <laughs> but that's not, we're just not going to come to that because you're going to become, you're going to become a great stage manager. Um, my, my thing is always, if this whole theater thing doesn't work out, I'll become an, I'll become an event, a party and wedding planner. No, so I've already thought about like wedding plan. I, I've, I've already done some weddings, but like. So yeah, we can, yeah, let's do that too. We'll, the wedding we'll, planning business. Yeah. Let's quit theater and get into the wedding planning business the fa- today. The, the, the yeah. Fagan O'Neill yeah, wedding here. planning. You got the West Coast, I'll get the East Coast. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the Standby Go podcast. And um, thank you for everybody who listened to both episodes because this will be a two-parter. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Well, this has been such an amazing two episodes of the podcast with Rebecca Fagan. I had so much fun talking about theater and stage management and grad school and just what theater means to us and and what we both want to do in the future. And it's so fun to sit down and talk with somebody who has similar passions as you and, and, and love and understanding of this this relatively small part of theater when it comes to like the circle. Um, If you really enjoyed the last two episodes as much as I have, uh, but haven't listened to anything before that, then please go find me on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio. Just look for Stand By Go or, or look for my name. Uh, You can also find us on YouTube. You just look up John O'Neill. And if you ever want any information on upcoming episodes or want to know when new episodes are coming out, then follow uh, the podcast Instagram, which is standby underscore go underscore podcast. And I, I always post when a new episode is out. 
and get a little bit of behind the scenes through there. Or you can also follow my personal Instagram, which is the one John O with one spelled out. And uh, I am so excited for what's to come in the future of this podcast uh, with with many more guests of, of everywhere in theater, actors, directors, designers, other stage managers, uh, theater moms, um, just whatever it is. So like, like always, if you want to be part of the podcast, just, uh, just contact me. Instagram is probably the best way to do it. So follow the pod, the podcast, Instagram and DM me through that. So until next time.